the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Today we're doing the third week of our series, um, God's Plan. And the first week we looked at Zechariah and how... The angel Gabriel had met with him to let him know that he was going to have a baby boy, something he'd been waiting and dreaming of his entire life right into his old age. And then the the week after that, we looked at Mary and how Mary's story is just so, so, so crazy when we think about it. I think so often we skim through the nativity story and we make it kind of like this really fluffy fairy tale thing. It's almost like a, I don't know, a Disney kind of film or or something like fluffy and fairy-like. And actually, it's a crazy story when you think about a young teenage girl having an angel come saying you're going to have a kid and without any bow chicka bow wow, bow chicka bow bow. You know what I mean? That's a pretty full on crazy story. And so that's kind of the case with Mary. And for her to do that in the climate she lived in with the way that people would have seen her, perceived her, talked about her, how she'd have been seen and ostracized within her community, how she wouldn't have been accepted, then you kind of get a feel for why that is like such a big deal because she would have been really like marginalized and excluded had people looked at her because they wouldn't have thought, okay, yeah, cool, you got knocked up by the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? I mean, that's a great way to put it. You got knocked up by the Holy Spirit. God came and you're having a baby. Fantastic, it's the Messiah. And everyone in the town goes, yay. No, everyone in the town goes, here's a pile of rocks. We're probably going to throw them at your head until you die. That's the community she lived in. So when she steps out and she's saying to the angel, let it be exactly as you say, she's an incredible woman of faith. So today we're going to be talking about Joseph. Now, I absolutely love, 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 love Joseph. Or how do you say it, Eden? Joseph. 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 Joseph is such a cool guy. I think this week I maybe fell in love with him a little bit more, maybe got a bit of a man crush. Things are not what they appear with Joseph. And that's the kind of the key thing I want all of us to kind of explore and to connect with today. Because so often in life, we always see things and assume things. So you can encounter someone who has a kid, the uh, different race to the parents, and you can assume oh, well, the mum had that kid in a previous relationship. And you could assume that could be adoption. Do you know what I mean? Things aren't always as they appear. That's a really, really kind of obvious one. And people are never going to think of the most wonderful thing ever, that they've adopted a child that they are calling their own and putting all this love into. They're going to assume the worst. It's the way people think. It's the way that works. It's the way that society is. Hate to say it. It's just how it is. Now, things are not what they appear. Now, in Matthew 1... Verse 18 to 25, we're going to be reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. I love this. I love this about Joseph. So Joseph sees this scenario and people in his time could have been filled. It says he's a just man. And what people tend to equate with just is you tend to get these kind of people, these, these self-righteous types that want to unleash uh, and they want to pound of flesh. You know, this has gone wrong. This has happened. I want a pound of flesh. You're going to feel it. I'm going to bring down some can of, you know what, on you. 
you're gonna feel the pain for what you've done. That's, that's just generally how people do things. Now Joseph in the position where he's sitting and the way he sees things being the most obvious thing in the world, well, we're together, we haven't done it, that's not my kid. You can see the kind of rage he would go through. But the Bible says, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, knowing that the way society would see her, that she could be killed for what she's done. She could be, and if she isn't killed, she will be ostracized and separated and put away and put to shame. And no man in their right mind within their community would ever go near her. She would be like a leper. Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So they weren't married yet, but in their time when you got betrothed, they, they use the word betrothed here because their engagement isn't like our engagement. You get engaged, you break it off. You get engaged, you break it off. It's not it's like, like you can just do that like you can just dump someone you're just dating anyway. You know what I mean? You can give someone the ring, but you can still go like, bang, that's it. And it could be the same as if you dump someone. Whereas, for example, if me and Jody want to part ways, it's complicated. You know what I mean? That's a, it's a divorce. There's a lot of legal stuff to go around. It's, it's pretty cray. Now, for them, when, when you're engaged, when you're betrothed in this way, it's, it's like you haven't consummated it. It's not all finalized, but you don't just go back on this within their culture. That's not something you do. It's a really big deal. And so in this moment, it's why I use the worst words, resolve to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. It's weird. I mean... Gabriel went to Zechariah, Gabriel went to Mary. I like to think it was Gabriel, but I don't know, maybe he was busy. Maybe it was like, you know, I don't know if you kind of grew up in the, in the UK school system and, and, and some of the kids have like tags and they get like, um, like thug, younger thug, baby thug, whatever. One of my favorites, there was a girl in my, my Sunday school. She was one of the best kids I've ever had in Sunday school class. And um, when I was like, I don't know, 17, she was so cool. All these years later, I was working with her and I'll never forget someone in the office told me her tag. And oh my gosh, this is one of my favorites. So, you know, you can imagine it. There's like, there's killer. There's someone called Killer out there. But then there's Young Killer. She was Baby Killer. I don't know what went through her mind when she took on being Baby Killer. I was kind of like, I don't know if I want my daughter to be around you, you know? I feel like this angel, because it's an angel lord, peering to him in a dream, it's almost like, I don't know, Baby Gabe's or, or, or Gabriel's younger gets sent out because Gabriel's a bit busy right now. Hi, I'm sorry, I'm a bit busy, but uh, I'm here instead kind of thing. And then this angel of the Lord appeared to him saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the Lord commanded. He took his wife but knew her not, as in no bow-chicka-bow-wow, until she had given birth to a son, and he called him Jesus. Things are not what they appear. Sometimes in life, the circumstances that find their way coming towards us aren't always what they appear. You and I so often want to interact with things that happen to us and just go, oh, this is happening, so that means that person did this or this person did that. But, but sometimes things are the way they are, and it doesn't really make sense. And I think sometimes in Christian circles, the idea that's put forward is, 
when things go bad, they're just bad. And when things go good, oh, this is such a blessed time from the Lord. And actually, when we look at the nativity story, that's not what happens at all. It's almost like God shows up and everyone's lives gets ruined. You know what I mean? Mary's this pure, holy girl in the village. And now people are talking about her like she's not a pure, holy girl, if they're in the know. And then you look at Joseph, and Joseph is a just man, but other people wouldn't look at him and see him as a just man. They'd see him as like, oh, wow, it's pretty amazing. Maybe Joseph isn't all that great because he's sticking around with you-know-who. He's actually taking her on. Maybe Joseph isn't the guy that we thought he was. Do you see what I mean? Sometimes things are not what they appear. And sometimes the things that other people elevate as being of importance aren't the things that actually matter and aren't the things we should treasure and aren't the things that we should go after and aren't the things we should respect. But then the other thing about Joseph is so I love him because he gets involved in something that isn't how it appears. And he just fully trusts God. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. He just believes God. He believes the angel. He believes the dream. But he doesn't know. Do you know what I mean? There's faith in this situation. He's believing that God is doing something in this situation that has never been done before. Joseph's a don. And then it gets to Matthew 2, 13, 23. Matthew 2, verse 13 to 23. You know, there are no shortcuts. No shortcuts. So often people want prayer and faith to be a shortcut. It's like life is hard. I want a detour. Lord Jesus, can I bring this situation to you? Because I want a detour right now. I want a fast track. If anything, I feel like prayer slows things down. I, I feel like it's like the matrix. Everything else moving fast, you're like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's crazy. Now, they had departed. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. You know what's crazy? Is actually, I was talking about things are not as they appear. Herod wants to kill all these babies and wants this baby dead because he thinks this baby's gonna sit on his throne. But Jesus is never gonna sit on the throne in Israel. Pharaoh and his dynasty is gonna carry on. Jesus is gonna sit on a throne that's gonna last forever. Things are not what they appear. But he's gone and killed all these babies and it was never ever gonna affect his throne. God's mission was never God's plan, God's plan. It was never gonna touch on to his throne. It was never gonna take it away from his family. This was much bigger, a bigger vision, a bigger dream than that. And he ends up getting his hands so unbelievably dirty because he can't see that sometimes with God, things are not what they appear. I love Joseph because you know what? You sign up for this and you're getting a bad deal. And then in this situation, the angel's like, hey, um, you're gonna have to leave. You're gonna have to go to Egypt. You're gonna have to go to a place that isn't your home. You have to make it your home. And how are they gonna do that? They're gonna take the gold from the wise men and they're gonna move all the way to another country, which isn't like today where you just board a plane. My gosh, this is inconvenience, man. This is crazy. This is like, hashtag blessed. Next hashtag, mess my life up. Hashtag, God came in like a wrecking ball. And it wasn't because I rolled around the floor and had a good time at some charismatic service. He came in and he repeat everything. Every direction I thought my life was heading in right now is gone. Hashtag blessed. That's Joseph. So they go to Egypt because this kid is in danger of being killed. So he has to pack up everything he had in his life, put it on hold and go there. Man. 
Such a crazy story. Then Herod, when he saw they'd been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel crying for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But then Herod died and behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who are sought the child's life are dead. And he rose, took the child and his mother and went back to the land of Israel. But when he heard that was Archelaus was reigning over Judah in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled that he would be called a Nazarene. So when he moves back, moved back there, bit pricey, bit difficult, bit of a challenge. Also, doesn't really like that the king that's following on is, is the guy's son. He might have been passed down or go through the notes and be like, oh, well, dad was looking out for this kid. Well, that's a no-go. We're gonna go to Galilee. We're gonna go to Nazareth, to the ghetto, to the bits. And I wonder about Joseph. I wonder if somewhere along the line, Joseph is like, I don't know if, if he's anything like me, if he's just an absolute pagan waste man and he's just upset that God came into his life in this situation with Mary, gave her his child, his son, made him look less favorable to the community, made Mary look less favorable to the community. They can't go around saying to people, oh, no, 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 this is God's kid because people would just, that would be seen as blasphemy, people would kill them. They have to just make do with their situation and move on. And then when God says, pack up, move your house, you're going to Egypt. I don't want to go to Egypt. What do I know about Egypt? What do I know about the land? What do I know about, I don't want to go to Egypt. And then you're there, and then God says, oh, it's time to go back now. And then you end up in the bits. Are you for real? Like, is there a point where you start to go like, God, where are you in all of this? I don't know. I think the comfort is that actually sometimes you and I find ourselves in moments and time frames in our life where we go, God, where are you in this? This is a hot mess. This sucks. This is hard. This is difficult. I want to encourage you that actually even when it came to the birth of the Messiah, it was difficult. It was hard. But Joseph for me is an incredible man. And the reason he's an incredible man isn't just that he keeps Mary, that he chooses to be like stepdad to, to God's son. And he, he, he fully invests in this mission to the point of moving the whole family, moving the whole family back, living life in the bits, in an estate, in a, a rough, dangerous, ghetto-type environment. What impresses me most about Joseph is Jesus. Jesus is what impresses me most about Joseph. The reason I say that is because when Jesus gets to age 12, he's in the temple and he is, it says that he is asking questions and the rabbis marveled at what he said in the temple at the time of Passover. So all the big movers and shakers, the social innovators, the Steve Jobs of their society are all at the temple. Jesus is asking questions. That's not asking questions like, oh, what does this mean? When you ask questions in their context, in their society, you're challenging the way they see the world. You're challenging their beliefs. You're challenging the very fundamentals that they say and that they share. So when Jesus is doing this in the temple, like the next thing for him is a year's time, he turns 13, which is when you get picked for an internship because now you're seen as a man and the big law firms in the society are always looking out for the next hot rabbi to come up who's like a social innovator. And these guys would have picked him. They'd have said, 
X Factor, welcome to judges' houses. You're coming on my team. And, and you've seen Jewish kids like celebrating, they get picked by the new hotshot rabbi in town. And Jesus, age 12, is tearing it up in the temple at Passover when all the big boys are in town. And yet he never becomes a rabbi, he becomes a bivocational rabbi which is like the second way around. So what happens is you, you fail your exams and you're told, oh, go learn your father's trade. You're not good enough to be a social innovator. You're not good enough to be a lawyer. You're never gonna get the degree. You're not going to Oxford. You're not going Cambridge. Go home. So Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, is a fisherman. Jesus says, follow me. Peter says, I'm a sinner. Like, I don't have the grades. I missed the mark. I'm not good enough. Jesus says, I will make you a fisherman. And Peter gets a second chance and follows him. Jesus goes out doing all this stuff. But one of the things you notice is there's a period in his ministry when he goes back to the bits. He goes back to, back to his ends and he's doing miracles and he's preaching. And the thing that people say about him, and this is what I love about Jesus, but this is what I love about Joseph so much, is what people say is when they hear him preaching and saying what he's doing and healing people, is they say, isn't this the carpenter's son? They don't say Joseph, they say the carpenter's son. And then they go, isn't this Mary's boy? Because we all know in our community a bit about Mary. They're throwing shade. When they say, isn't this the carpenter's son? They're basically calling him a carpenter. Because if he'd come up for a tradition of following a rabbi, one would have known about in the New Testament. So for some reason, he's the hottest thing at age 12. He turns age 13 and no one's offering him an internship. I don't believe that one second. The only thing that I can believe is if you're tearing up in the temple age 12, age 13, you get the best placement going. But instead, Jesus chooses to go and learn his father's trade, his stepdad. And then I started to think about who Joseph is and I started to think, man, Joseph must be someone special. That when God's son is preparing himself for ministry, he's not with the biggest hotshot lawyers in town. He sticks with his stepdad, the one who took him on and the, the, the woman who, who, who carried him on. When everything said, this isn't what it seems, just ditch this here and now. He took him on. Not only that, he would inconvenience himself going all the way to Egypt. Not only that, he'd move all the way back and then to the ends. All of Joseph's dreams in life are put on hold for this kid, and this kid chooses him over all the hotshot lawyers. And in this moment, they're going, isn't this the carpenter's boy? Oh no, this is, this is Mary's son. You know, you know about Mary, right? That's what they're saying. Oh, I love Joseph. Oh, I love Joseph. Joseph is, is, is just such a special man. And I think this story asks a question of you and asks a question of me. It asks the question, are you prepared to take on someone that isn't yours? Are you prepared to take ownership of someone you know for the men whose dad isn't around and for the ladies still whose dad isn't around? in your community, in your sphere of influence, in your family circle, in your friendship circle? Are you willing to put some time, are you willing to make someone a priority? Are you willing to invest in them? Because when I look at Joseph, like it's so easy in our society, everyone wants to talk about knife crime all the time, and what are the government gonna do about it? My question is, what am I gonna do about it? What are you gonna do about it? Oh, you don't have to go out and necessarily deal with a gang here and now. You can stop the next one though. There's a little kid turning into his young teenage stage in your estate or in your area or lives near you. That's not about. Don't let a gang shape him. You shape him. Do you know what I mean? It's actually a lot easier than you think. You know, it's really cool actually. It was such a God thing because um, I've been wanting to go to gym for ages and a couple of months ago I signed up at the gym down the road from me and um, 
I was going there for about two weeks and it, it was cool, it was fine. Then I looked up and I saw this guy, huge guy, absolute beast. I was like, geez. And I looked at his face. It was my boy. It was my boy. <coughs> when I was like 17, a lady came up to me and said, I've got a family for you. And I was like, no, I'm cool, I've got, I've got a family. And she said, no. His dad's not about, I want you to go take these boys out. And I was like, okay, cool, whatever. She was this old woman. I didn't know her for anything really in church. I saw her worshiping God sometimes. I went, okay. So I started taking this kid out. And so I see this huge man in the gym. So I walk over, I look up, and I'm like, is it? I was like, oh, yeah. And we, we hugged it out. It was cool. We saw, we started chatting. And he goes, you're training with me from now on. And I was like, oh, Jesus, no. Like this guy, in, in four minutes, he does what I was doing in an hour. Like he absolutely kills you. It's just absolutely painful. But we were doing all this stuff, and then afterwards he's like, oh, come, come get something to eat, man. You, you, need, to, you need to eat some food, whatever. Takes me to McDonald's. We're standing in McDonald's, and this, this beautiful, beautiful moment happened for me where we're standing at McDonald's, and we're queuing up, and where everybody goes like, oh, do you want something? I'm like, oh, mate, I, I haven't bought my wallet. I'm, I didn't plan to come to McDonald's. I just want to walk to the gym and walk home. And he goes, oh, no, I'll get it, I'll get it. No, 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 it's cool. He goes, no, 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 seriously. He goes, you bought me like hundreds of McDonald's here. And as I'm standing in this McDonald's, I'm like, oh yeah. I went, no, no, I've got you a couple. He goes, no, you kidding? You took me out every Saturday. We always came here. And I'm just like, he said it loudly. I'm looking around McDonald's. No, 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 I, I don't always come. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, okay. You're calling me out as a liar because Ari knows I buy a Happy Meals. So. <laughs> but we're standing there and we queue up and he buys me this Big Mac. And I remember sitting there eating this Big Mac. I've got to say, it's the best Big Mac I've ever had in my life because I started to relive kind of everything. I remember him doing his GCSEs and it looked like he was gonna flunk and stuff and I'd meet up with him and catch up, go, how did this exam go, help him prep and stuff. And I remember meeting him around English and saying, how did your English exam go? And he goes, well, the second essay question was, uh, write about one significant adult in your life. He goes, I wrote about you. I remember I was like 19, man, I couldn't look at him. I was like, oh, cool, man, I got home. I cried my eyes out. Years later, you know, he's got a sports science degree. He's got a degree in sports science. This kid. There's no way he was getting a sports science degree. I'm not gonna lie, when I met this kid, his goals, his levels, his, his man, he was, just a, he was just a different person. And a few years back, Jody was pushing Eden when she was a baby. He had a new girlfriend. I haven't met her, he's not with her anymore now, so it doesn't really matter. But he introduces his girlfriend to Jody, and he goes, this, this is the wife of the man who fathered me. That's what he said. It's crazy. And now I'm in the gym with this guy reconnecting again. And as I'm reconnecting with him and we're hanging out and we're messaging and we're gonna go gym again either tonight or tomorrow. I started realizing I've got a bit of Joseph in me. And so for this nativity, this time of years, Christmas, as we look on this story, I wanna ask a question of you. Have you got a bit of Joseph in you? Because if you haven't, you've got to find a bit of Joseph in you. Just take ownership of someone that's not your responsibility. They're not yours and just make them yours. Just invest in them. Just love on them. No catches. You're not looking for anything out of them. I wasn't looking to get a Big Mac meal like eight years down the line. <laughs> you know what I mean? That wasn't my squad goals. One day he's gonna buy me a Big Mac meal back and that is gonna be epic. That's not my goal. I got some Joseph in me. And the reason I love this story is because Joseph actually has a lot of God in him because God says that he's father to the fatherless and he calls us to be the same. And the reason his son came was to die on a cross that you and I could be adopted children, sons and daughters of God. That he could go on Jeremy Carl and every time they take the DNS, DNA kid test, he could go, that's my son, that's my daughter, that's my daughter, 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 my son, my son, my son. 
take ownership. Everyone else is running away from it. Everyone else is doing a lap of honor. He gets every angel in heaven screaming the place down because a kid comes home. We need to have some Joseph in us. We need to have some God in us. We need to take ownership of people around us that no one else is because that's who God calls us to be. Father God, I thank you that God's plan is actually to include us, that there is no plan B. There is no substitutes that are coming on. There's just us. And he calls us to take ownership of those people around us. I thank you for Joseph and what an amazing man he was and that he stepped up to the plate, took a lot of flack, unbelievable suffering, pain and anguish, derailed his entire life that we could receive a gift greater than any gift ever known. God with us. Salvation. I pray, Father, this week and this Christmas season, we would be so aware by your Spirit to see those around us who need us to take ownership of them, to step up for just one person. We don't have to take on 10, don't have to take on 20, don't have to take on 100. We can just take on one person and love on them for nothing in return because that's what Joseph did. That's what God does. Pray you be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london.